We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, Cal fans? We are back with another episode of Golden Bearcast, a proud partner of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am one of your co-hosts, Andy, alongside me as always. Rob, what's up, my man? This is fr- it's Friday night. I just literally, I, I got home maybe two and a half hours ago from driving up from L.A., um, and Andy texts me as I'm driving up, pod tonight? <laughs> and I was like, nine o'clock work? Sure. I was hoping he would say no, but he said yes, so I had to oblige. Uh, so I'm here. You know what? Like that entire conversation for me reminded me of that scene from from Moneyball where Billy Bean goes up to David Justice and is like, "Let's be real here. You know, I want to milk every ounce of baseball that's left out of you." And that's what Andy was to me. That's what Andy was saying to me. I want to milk every ounce of energy that you have left this Friday night out of you onto this pod. Yep, you are damn right, my friend. <laughs> I am 38-year-old David Justice. That's that's who I am tonight. Well, I was fired up. I was fired up. <laughs> I've been pretty fired up to do a lot of podcasts that have nothing to do with Cal football. And so appreciate all the questions that have come in. However, we're going to talk about those at the end. Yeah. So there will be some Cal-related news here. But I have no intention for the first 30 minutes of this to talk about anything related to Cal football. This is this is basically our texting back and forth, but in podcast form, like over the last 48 hours. It's an idea I want to try out <laughs> and see if people are like, yeah, we're down to hear this. Or, you know, if you're not, just let us know. It's all good. It's fine. Perfectly it's all good. Fine. Perfectly fine. But I had thoughts. It was like, we have a podcast. Let's use the let's, platform, baby. Let's use it. Let's do this. All right. So here's what we're going to run down tonight. We are going to go through the entire college football playoff from start to finish. I know that doesn't really seem like, obviously we can't do all of that in 30 minutes, but I want to go back to the beginning because there was a massive decision that was made. Then I want to break down the semis because I think you and I had a very good debate going or just dialogue about yeah. decision making. Yep. And this is going to 
definitely skew towards the Washington game. Yep. And then the final, just overall thoughts and, and you know, kind of, I think it, it really is the end of the Pac-12. And like, we, mm-hmm. how many times was that said? I think I heard yep. that. It was like Cal UCLA. Okay, this is the end. Then in, and then it went uh, into the, well, okay, but the championships game <laughs> is the end. And then they're like, well, they're playing again. So I guess this might be the end. And then, okay, cool. The, the, it's It's over. It's finally over. For football, that is. Basketball is still alive. And then, obviously, we got to get in the coaching carousel. NFL news popping off like crazy. We're not going to talk much about that. But college also absolutely wild. Yeah. With just, I, I, I think, you know, Pete Carroll, Nick Saban, Bill Belichick. Bang, bang, bang. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a trio of head coaches going out. And then, finally, we'll get back into the Cal stuff. So, we'll talk about Transfer Portal, yep. how well Cal is doing in the Transfer Portal. Spoiler alert. Yep. And... We will answer some Q&A that is more geared towards what next year might look like and any other thoughts. We're going to keep it contained inside 30 minutes. I got an Apple Watch, so we're going to make sure that that happens. Is there anything else that you want to add to our agenda today, Rob? No, no. I, I, I also came into this ag- agenda blind. So if you're listening to this, you are just as much in the just coming in from the wild as I am. Watch out, folks. They gave they gave the kid the keys to the car. <laughs> The keys oh, to the Mercedes have been passed this to the 12-year-old. Oh, this is Ferris Bueller's day off. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> All right, CFP. All right. Florida State Whoop. gets left out. Mm. ACC champion. Our conference. Our undefeated. Conference. Undefeated, by the way. We, we undefeated. 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 Power five. First time ever. Mm-hmm. You have You have a unique lens right now because you know the outcome of... Yeah. The Georgia FSU game. But as much as you possibly can, maybe giving both your pre and post, did they get it right? No, I I don't think they I still don't think they got it right. I'm I'm firmly of the belief that Florida State should have been in. Um like why do we why do we label it power five if you're not gonna assume that they're playing at a higher level of playing field? And the Georgia Florida State game, like you know, if you look at the rosters, like the moment Florida State wasn't in, you knew the guys that are going to the league aren't playing in that game. Yep. And the guys that are like maybe not vying for starting positions, probably out the door as well. Yep. Um, so you saw just how depleted uh, the rosters, you know, just looked. You know, George, everyone's talking about I, – I was listening to the Cover 3 podcast on my drive down to L.A. And what they were saying was – it's hilarious how the transfer portal has now overblown so much of these types of players leaving. Like, you know, it might be a four-star, five-star kid, but that didn't see the field, you know, like for in Georgia's case. And then they're saying like, oh, this is, a, you know, they're Georgia's bleeding talent. Like, well, he didn't start for a reason and they recruit so well that they could easily have their replacement in next week. So like, I, it is like, it's, you know, it's just like college football and sports news these days where it's just like everything has to be like, whoa, like is he the game changer program for this this you know this particular program or is he the biggest loss that this team is gonna have to you know overcome? Uh, but as I've said with the transfer portal and all that, like you need to judge that as a whole after the transfer portal is closed because you never know if you're actually getting an upgrade or if you're actually you know downgrading as in certain positions. Uh, but back to like Florida State, that's why I think the Georgia Florida State game was just like, like yeah, I get why they're playing, but like 
this doesn't mean much and this doesn't have any influence on what the team looked like prior to that game. Mm-hmm. No, no. I mean, I think I talked about it with some other folks and said, you know, I think there's something that I had read somewhere that it said F- Florida State shouldn't even show up for the game. And like, you can't actually do that, <laughs> but they basically did that. Yeah. And my hat's off kind of to them because, you know, it's a little bit different than the UCF where like the UCF team that still felt like they had something to prove to your point. They had nothing left to prove. Yep. They didn't need to come out and make a statement against Georgia to then say you guys made it. I mean, it was, it was, it was painfully obvious. And, um, I, I will say as an aside, because you brought it up, I, I actually would love to talk about that. The transfer portal, I think, it's very clear that the way that it functions right now doesn't work. And and I, I will tell yeah. you, it won't last because this bowl season undoubtedly was the worst I've ever gone through. Yep. Every single game was just boring, boring, boring. I think the only time... I actually like started, I think, New Year's Day with like Liberty, Oregon. Yep. I know that game wasn't close, but it was nice to see teams actually trying to win. Yep. <laughs> and it was nice to see like full rosters and all of those. So, but yeah, I think the, you know, at the end of the day, if we've learned anything about college football over this last year, 2023, money talks. Those I bet that those bowl numbers are going to come out. I mean, I'm sure they're already out. I'm positive. Yeah. Those advertisers are going to be pissed. Everybody's going to be like, this is broken. And guess what? The CFP going to 12 teams does not fix all of those games. What fixes all those games is thinking strategically about your offseason and when it should start the same way that a professional league would have it, except for baseball. But that's a whole different topic that we don't have to discuss today. <laughs> It is. It is. Like, because, you know, that's even with college football, like the Kirby Smart thing about saying how, you know, the the schedule needs to go around like the portal, like you need to have a, a different start date for the transfer portal and all that. And I, I agree. It's just, you know, the moment you start to to navigate that and just put the emphasis on how do we set up a football schedule, it totally eliminates the student part of collegiate athletics and like. I don't know. Like right now, as the as the schedule is set up, the only reason it's set up that way is so that guys can go to school in, in the spring semester. That's basically why it's set up the way it is. So I don't know how you change that and allow guys to get in for spring ball if you delay the transfer portal to start after mm. the postseason. Uh, good point. I just don't know how you do it. I mean, even for us, right? Like school starts, I think, next week or this week or next week. I think it's this week. Um, and so if if that would give us what? one A one week as it stands right now, like it would give us a one week like turnaround from the transfer portal starting and school semester starting, unless you somehow got like a waiver from all universities saying that students could enroll, like one, football players could enroll like one month into the semester starting. Yeah, good luck. But yeah, good luck with that. I think um, you probably end up having to take the 12 team format that you've created and 
then you start the portal broadly. Basically, I think you eliminate in-season portal. And unless maybe you could have like a waiver on that if like a coach leaves in the middle of the season. But I think you'd have to eliminate in-season and then you have it start the day of the quarterfinals. So See, whenever... But- but What's that's that? all, that's also like, weird too, right? Because what if it's guys that are on teams that are playing in those quarterfinal games or in those playoffs? I just think that like the odds – I mean what we saw this, you have to go with the data, right? The data was that when it came down to the guys that were playing in games that mattered, they stayed. and they, right. Or they played, the, they yeah, played yeah, those yeah. out and then transferred later. They played – yeah. They, the, the, but that's the, that's the crux that I'm getting at is like what if those what, – what about those guys? Because they're getting a late start. On yeah. on their move, right? Yeah. So it's all it's honestly like, um, what's it? Jesse said it best when it comes to like our buddy uh, Jesse. He said uh, it's just a, all about securing a seat at the table. And for some of these guys that are like the second or third string, could probably get a seat at the table at a different you know power five or power four school, but you know they want to play out with their team, but they're left shorthanded then. Right. Like there's no there's no like there's no way around everyone getting an equal opportunity at at the right time. Right now is basically kind of what that is. But we realize what we have right now isn't really working. Yeah. Well, that that is amazing. I actually hadn't thought about that. And I am very glad I forced (laughs) you to do the podcast. (laughs) All right. Back to FSU. Okay, both totally aligned. Total bullshit. Should never have happened. And uh, by the way, the game against Michigan ended up being more of a defensive game than people would actually give it credit for. Yeah. I think it might have been close. And uh, then Michigan definitely took advantage of Washington's defense, but I didn't see anything out of Michigan against Bama where I really felt like offensively that they could have, they were that much better or would have overwhelmed Florida State by any means. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm gonna move us to the next subject. Actually, what? One one addendum. Yes, isn't it hilarious that there is a timeline here? Like there is an alternate universe here somewhere where Saban makes it to the final, and Kalen DeBoer and Washington make it to the final, and then you know, like Saban wins and leaves, and DeBoer takes his job. Like there is there is a timeline out there of Dude, that I, sort. I was even thinking. That if Alabama hadn't made it in this year, does Saban call it quits? Or yeah. Does he go make yeah. one more run at it? That's a big question too. And then does is DeBoer still at UW? <laughs> uh, wild. Anyways, semifinal. We're going to yeah. skip the Michigan-Alabama game. Great game. Overtime. Incredible. Very fun game like, to watch. Yeah. Super, super mm-hmm. fun. The... The Washington-Texas game, though, had us going back and forth specifically about the Dylan Johnson play. Yeah. And I just kind of wanted to have that conversation here. So just for anyone that may have not seen it, Washington essentially has the ball and Texas had three timeouts left. Yeah. And or two, two, two. And so Washington is banking on the fact there's probably like, uh, I'm just going to say like two minutes left. Yeah, it was was just about, yeah. So Washington is banking on the fact that the third down play, they're going to be able to have the clock run off, and then that's going to take it down. And that, that'll that leave like 20, 
to 25 seconds, seconds. or so yeah. left for Texas to score a touchdown. And what ends up happening is Dylan Johnson gets wrapped up. And um, I don't want to over-influence this. I will say from my perspective, I felt it was slightly unnatural of a tackle. I think that there was maybe a little bit of a lengthy grab on the leg and yep. an emphasis on the lower to the to the foot area. Because yep. everybody on that Texas team knew that he had a foot injury. Everybody. Yep. Yep. Everybody knew that he was injured. So what ends up happening is Washington's third down play where they're supposed to get that clock run off the clock stops. Now with 40 seconds or so, and they have yep. to punt, and then they have the, the stupid penalty on the punt, and all of a sudden then we have the fireworks at the end of the game. I, you know, fundamentally, my question to you was, it feels weird in a game where we're trying to clean up essentially injuries or risky plays that you would have an incentive out there as high as, hey, if the offense has the ball and I'm on defense and they need, they have, let's say the same exact position, they need they have one play. We don't have a timeout. Obviously, you can't commit a penalty, but you can certainly try to injure somebody and like go really hard at somebody's knee or make a hip drop tackle. Like, you know, do those things that are legal to try and stop the clock. So I pass it to you. I know your I know your thoughts about how they should have never been in that position in the first place, which I think is valid, but for this conversation. Do, should they change that rule or should they make a rule that what my proposal, I'll, I'll just tell you my proposal. I think that in that situation, I'm fine with them not getting the full runoff of the play, but I think that they should be able to come to the line and get the play clock time off. So they would have, Texas would have benefited 10 to 12 seconds, but they also would have lost 20, 25 or 30 because they would have been like, basically Washington would have been able to come to the line. And then the clock starts when they come to the line, they drain the play clock and then either take a penalty or punt or whatever they want to do. That's my proposal. Yeah. I don't, I don't have any issues with that. I think, I think honestly, if you're going to change that rule, it should be clock starts when the ball is placed um, by the ref, um, that's the easiest way to do it. I think I don't know. I don't. I don't know the rule book, right? Like I don't have all the rules. I, I don't know all the rules. I don't know all the the like the little nuances of all the rules. The runoff rule was originally, I think, intended there to be for offensive teams who are down a score or need to score to fake injuries to be able to stop the clock without burning timeouts because they're the ones on the, on the front foot, right? Yep. Like they're the ones that, that can stop substitutions like, and all of that. So they're trying to, to mitigate that. I don't know if there was a, a if there's a, like an, an addendum to that rule talking about what if it's the opposite, like what if it's the offense, you know, like trying to burn clock, but then it's like, if you're, if you're injured, you're not really trying to burn clock. Like there, I think 
So I think that what's that's what the original goal was intended to do was to eliminate like the false injuries and the yep. and just the time wasting. I don't know if they took into account the opposite. Like, what if a dude is really injured? It just like, feels so weird. I mean, just the the fundamentals of it is you have somebody that who knows what's going on with that dude's foot, right? Yeah. He cannot get himself off the field. Essentially, the NCAA is saying we in this situation. The expectation for you not to royally, comp- like screw your team over, is to not army injured. crawl your <laughs> way to the sideline and roll off of the field in order to give yourself the you know I, I just it just doesn't make any sense and and I think it would have been a ma- I mean I don't even think it would have been a massive deal it would have been a massive deal if Texas had scored that touchdown oh yeah yeah I mean he would absolutely got, Dylan Johnson probably would have had. The ire of idiots online directly pointed at him for not getting off the field, despite the fact that he was writhing in pain. I mean, the the NCAA it was blessed that Washington won that game. Blessed, the entire state of Washington would be furious. Like I just I couldn't believe it. And what was so funny because like I didn't think I wanted Washington to win. It was very clear that I wanted Washington to win because I was like. <laughs> What is going on here? This makes no sense. Anyways. Yeah, I mean, look, if you're a listener to this and you know the answer to this, like, question, debate that we're having, like, let us know. Because we would love to learn. Yeah. Like, if there's a if, if if there's another, like, aspect of this rule that we're not, we're totally missing, please let us know. I think I had asked if it was the same in the NFL. And I would be curious. Yeah. I, I didn't I actually look yeah, it up. Yeah. 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 All right. So then we get to the All final. Right. Yep. Harbaugh wins his ship. Oh. You had a really interesting take about Michael Penix and what you saw. And yeah. I wanted to start there. I thought Penix wasn't himself after um, that first time he gets knocked down and gets hurt. I think the rest of the game you kind of see him and he's not he's not putting any pressure on that front foot. He's not stepping into any throws. You literally just see him twist his shoulders to get to get passes off, which is why like even that even that final drive, right? And that 41-yard I think bomb to to Adunze, that ball's like floating in the air. Like it's has does not have the zip that you usually see out of Penix. Does not usually see the have the placement that you see out of Penix. The other one where he missed Odunze, like when it was a broken play, I think that was just a miss. It, it was Odunze yeah. was like ran the wrong like depth on that route, and then Penix thought he would be a little bit more outside, but yeah. he he stayed a little bit flat. Um, but yeah, that's I don't think that that uh, play was the issue. It was a little bit further down when he when he saw him go down, um, and then I, I thought he broke. Didn't look I thought same. he fractured his fibula. I know yeah. that injury yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then he has the other one later where he's like holding his ribs basically constantly, right? And I think one of the rumors was that it was a rib injury that that he was trying to get over over like the last month and a half of the season. Mm-hmm. So, like the writers and I were talking in the Discord and we're like if if that is if that is the case, that might be a re-injury there, which is why he was wearing the rib cage to begin with, yeah. like for the protection. And then, because from then, from that point on, it's like he is not even like twisting his body. Like you just see him just trying to chuck it with his shoulder and arm as much as possible. Um, and then it just was never the same. I, I don't, 
it's tough to like the what if of what if he was healthy like for that game um just because i think michigan's secondary was just so so good despite like i I was telling you this like i think texas's front seven was way better than michigan's front seven but because michigan's secondary was so good there was just no there was just nowhere to throw there's just nowhere to throw i mean even that even that like miss to odunze like that was off a broken play like the rest of the game, you barely saw any of the Washington receivers get any type of space whatsoever. I think he looked understandably like he was just had a little too much energy, you know, to, to start the game. Yeah. Yeah. You could just tell like he was yeah, just yeah. missing. And like we haven't I don't think we've seen him really miss those throw all season. Yeah. And that's the benefit of the Pac-12 RIP is that. We get to see these teams. I felt so comfortable watching Washington because I was like, I know who this team is. Yeah. And I know what I get to like sit down for. And I think it would have been a very close game. Had they, you know, there's a couple of plays in there that if you turn around and there is the ghost holding call. Yeah. There was a 12 man on the field. Apparently that wasn't called either. Um, I think so. it like, I hate to say it for the Washington fans, but it's definitely a game you can go to revisit and say, yeah, if you turn those three plays around. It's wanted. not. I mean, it wasn't. I know the score read as a blowout, but yeah, it, it, it really wasn't. Um, all right. So Harbs wins the championship. Definitely, you know, since he's not my coach anymore, can say he's he's a, he's a weirdo. Isn't it hilarious though? Did you see like when you were watching the game, they like showed Tom Crean for a second? No. There's like there's like a moment where they sh- they show Tom Crean and he's wearing Michigan because you know he's married into that family, right? Um, and it's just so funny because our buddy Ben. In the Discord, like it was a big Tom Crean fan because he went to he went to Indiana for for grad school. He's like, Tom Crean's the only one now that's going to those family dinners without a trophy. <laughs> <laughs> everyone else, everyone else, dad comes in with the trophy. The brothers come in with their trophies. <laughs> Tom, Tom Crean, Tom Crean, just in there, you know, you know, maybe they get him, you know, with the whole ESPN story that dropped uh, this week about faking awards. Maybe they get him a, maybe they get him an SB. <laughs> More <laughs> like a or a, what's it an Oscar or or whatever or an Emmy, uh, Emmy for being on TV. <laughs> so that's that's so his good. So good. All right, Mr. Chargers fan. Oh God! Well, look at this. Look at this. Look at this hat I got in LA. Twenty five percent off. <laughs> Shocking! <laughs> Shocking! Twenty five percent off. Chargers gear on sale? No, never. All right. Is Harbaugh your guy? Oh, that's a good question. That's a very good question. Are you asking me like, is he realistic? Like, who I want, or is do you like what? Is there a premise to that question? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of being a little bit of an a hole because personally, <laughs> I think that if I were giving you my honest opinion, I think that your ownership is so bad that I don't think you can trust that they could pull in somebody like Harbaugh, despite the fact that you probably have one of the cushiest teams to come into. With the amount of talent, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. I concur. But I do want to know if he's your number one because there are Ooh. a lot of coaches available. I think he would be my number one pick if money wasn't an issue and like everything else was aligned. It is going to be very interesting because he's won his title now, right? Like, if let's say this was like, two or three years into Harbaugh's tenure at, at Michigan and he won a title. 
I would probably say, yeah, he's not leaving. He's going to gun for more, right? He's going to try to build off of this. But it took him X amount of years to get to this point, and he's won one for Michigan. He might leave out on top yeah. and go pro just because of the options he has available for himself if he wants to go back to the pros. I think so. Um, so, I look, like even we talk, we're talking about Belichick, we're talking about some of, the, some of these guys. Is there a single team – in the NFL, like that, you know, require a new head coach or have a coach that's like 50-50, right? Not the, not the teams that like are surefire or have, have a head coach. Are, do any of those teams, if Harbaugh calls them and says, I want to be your head coach, that they say no? Like even the ones that have coaches? No, like even the ones that have coaches, but like, they, you know, they're like 50-50, like, should we fire them? Like should the we Bears. not? Bears. Like the Bears, or you know, I mean, right now people are even talking about Nick Sirianni with the with the Eagles, like you know, <laughs> That's but like crazy, but like you know, like That's Andy crazy. Andy Reid is like cemented in there, like Kyle yeah. Shanahan is cemented in there, yeah, you know, Harbaugh and Baltimore is cemented in there, you know, D'Amico Ryan's in Houston is cemented in there, but there's like there's other teams, they're like, oh, you know, maybe we make a change. I think Harbaugh is probably the one guy at the top where everyone goes. Yeah, we'll make the change tomorrow if you want to come in. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I don't think the Eagles could do that. but I, and, I, and the Bears are way too inept. Yeah. The fact that the, the Bears, that's why I actually am more optimistic now is because the bears are so dumb in keeping with steady with what they're doing that they have now missed Harbaugh like three times. It's yeah. crazy. And it's yeah. like, dude, he played quarterback for you guys. It's so obvious. Yeah. And like, he probably would come in and keep fields and give, give them a ton of just leverage in the draft again. And they could build an incredible roster and I'm stunned. I don't think Eberflus. I don't even know if this is the right way I'm saying his name. But like is is like has remotely proven with a mediocre finish that you know he's worthy of another year. But I digress. We're supposed to be talking about the Chargers. I mean, if I'm you guys, I think you have a very. I wish you were still in San Diego. Same here. Um. But I think Harbaugh, man, like the Michigan's cold, man. He was in San Diego and Palo Alto and then SF. Like I you think, get I think he's used coming. to 
not being in <laughs> negative degree weather oh. during the off season and having to go to work when it's freezing cold outside. I think he might. I get that sunshine lifestyle. Not, not as much to prove anymore. He kind of did his thing at Michigan. To your point, like took him all the way back to the mountaintop. All right, they're going to be set up for success going forward. I mean, it's just hilarious. Like with the NFL now, like even like all these NFL teams are like putting out who they're interviewing for their head coaching. Like it's not a secret anymore. Like the the Chargers put out like uh, three days ago, right? We've completed an interview with Giff Smith for head coach, who's the interim head coach right now. Uh, we've completed an interview with Kellen Moore for head coach, who's our current OC. Yep. Um, and then they've interviewed Brandon Brown, the assistant general manager for the Giants, for our open general manager general manager position. They said they yesterday they we've completed an interview with Patrick Graham for head coach, who is the Raiders defensive coordinator. And then today they uh, this wasn't was I thought this was a, a surprise one, but um, we completed an interview with Todd Munkin for head coach, who is the offense coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. God, I just uh, hate all of those candidates for y'all. <laughs> as of right now, yeah. But if I were to pick one out of those right now, it's probably Todd Munkin. Yeah. But um, but like like no, I just <laughs> dude, there's way better options out there. I think the realist for me, I, I would say if if, I, if money and like everything else was fine, I'd say Harbaugh would be my number one pick. I'd probably say um, Ben Johnson, the OC for the Lions, probably my number two pick. Wow. Um, and that actually seems a little bit more realistic uh, than Harbaugh. Dude, I probably would have gone something more like Pete Carroll or like I would retread higher for you guys. I, I Pete, really Pete's don't not think- leaving. Pete's not leaving Seattle. He's just in an advisory role. I think I, I honestly I think he's okay. He wants he's okay with that. That's why he's going into the advisory role. I think if he wanted to still coach, they would have no. just mutually parted ways, and he would have he would have found a job elsewhere. Uh, it's not what he said though. He said he competed hard to stay the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. It it's it sounded like a Bruce Bochy situation to me. It's very Bruce Bochy. Uh, maybe it's just sort of like yeah. I guess it is different from what Belichick said. Um, but I mean, who knows? I mean, Belichick is another one, but like, I honestly, I don't want Belichick. I know it's kind of weird to say that it's like not the right fit for y'all. Uh-huh. I, I really, yeah. And like, although I will say, <laughs> to be fair, if you had a, a good defensive coach, y'all would have beaten the Jack. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It, no, well, if we had any other coach that's making smart decisions and not talking about <laughs> analytics all the time. Uh, um, so good. I did. So one cool, like, or one like line that I was, I, when I was listening to a, a football podcast on the way down, uh, it was good morning football. Um, and one thing they talked about with Belichick in particular was it, they were saying, I can't remember who from good morning football was saying this, but they were saying everyone is enamored with Bill Belichick becoming their head coach, but you have to understand you're not getting Belichick as the Tom Brady, you know, six Super Bowl, like that type of Bill Belichick, you're getting Bill Belichick now. You're getting Bill Belichick with the the just, just the mishandling of the Patriots roster over the last few years, uh, the the whatever situation is with Mac Jones, the whatever situation with Bailey Zapp, um, the whatever situation happened with Cam uh, Newton, like just the inability to to get a quarterback. To play um, the weird hirings 
you know, of Matt Patricia, who's been at DC all his life as your offensive coordinator and, you know, just all of those things. Like, that's the Bill Belichick you're getting. Like, yep. you're not getting him in the in the prime heyday of, like, the Patriots are unstoppable. So I was like, you know what? That's a, that's a very good point. And if that's the case, I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. I agree with that. I, I, I think it's, you, you can't – I don't know. I mean, the thing about Harbaugh, to go back to him, when they talk about him at Michigan was that he – when he almost got fired – it was because he wanted to lean into the RPO yep. and he was basically doing things that were kind of, he thought was where football was going. Yep. And it wasn't until he got back to the smash mouth Niners style, mm-hmm. Stanford style football that he'd always done that he started to, you know, to have this amount of success and beat Ohio state. And then obviously get to the playoff, lose to Sonny Dykes, which is still one of the most shocking things yep. ever. Yep. And then uh, obviously get to the, win the championship. But all right, we need to move on. We are in the coaching carousel conversation, anyways. One one last note about Harbaugh. Did you know? I didn't know this until I was watching the college football uh, the the final. Do you know two of the starting offensive linemen for Michigan or Stanford transfers? No, (laughs) and I didn't know that until I was watching the game either. Oh wow! So that that kind of I mean that that like to to help your point of like going back to his roots and where he where he did the most damage. Of course, he goes and gets uh, two guys that David Shaw coached. Dude, it honestly gets me excited about <laughs> Cal football because I feel like we're kind of going that direction and actually finally having some success with it. We are. It's like we've talked about it for long enough. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Hello. Uh, but yeah, I just don't want to say it out loud. <laughs> Hello. All right. So the game game's over. Then yep. this week we have just massive coaching coaching news <laughs> in that Nick Saban has now decided to retire, which took me as a, as a shock. I thought yep. he'd give it one more go, but he calls it quits. Yeah. And then uh, very quickly we go on this coaching carousel that looked like, according to my only source, which is you, that Dan Lanning was going to be the man. It looked like it. And uh, he came out with maybe the coolest video ever. For someone that was staying, just just awesome. I was fired up. I was like, yeah, I need to work in my current job for another six years. (laughs) It was great. And then it looked like potentially Mike Norvell. Yep. Out of FSU. They locked him up for eight years. Sark said no. And and then it went to Kalen to another Pacific Northwest coach. And uh, I know Washington was rumored to have talked about a 10-year, $8 million a year deal. So that's yep. like, what, 80, 80 million? Yep. And he canceled his radio show and then um, – is it official now? Yeah, they. I saw a video of him landing in Tuscaloosa. Okay. So what do you think about Kalen DeBoer in, in Tuscaloosa? Look – I think this this uh, cliche in sports always rings true. You never want to be the guy that came after. Never. You never want to be that guy. You want to be the guy that came after that guy. What about Rodgers following Brett Favre? Okay, there's like weird situations like that. Okay, <laughs> but but I mean, but but like 
like to help my point, like don't you remember how much how what crazy expectations people had for Rodgers? Like those first two years after he took yeah. over from Favre, like you're getting rid of Favre for this kid. Like let's yeah. hope like he's good, right? That's what I mean. It's just like the pressure and the 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 expectation for you is just insanely high. Yeah, insanely high. And your lease is your leash is so short in terms of being able to formulate success. Like if you're not anywhere close within like the first two years, like there's going to be so many pitchforks out there. Okay, wanting you can lose one game a year. Like, yeah, that's it. Yeah, you like that's, that's and it can't the be the Iron Bowl. Yeah, and it, <laughs> and it can't, be, it the can't Iron be, be the Iron Bowl. I mean, it's unreal. I mean, I guess not anymore. I think it's going to be more. It'll be more lenient because of the twelve team, right? So you can lose. Yeah, you can lose. Yeah, I mean, games, you just have to like, win the conference, right? At that point, but you know? still, it's like it's not many. It's not. I mean, save what is Saban's record? What do you have like? 17 losses over like yeah <laughs> over many years it's i mean about insanity i mean talking about the playoffs too like the expectation for the playoffs i think has to be reset as well because as of right now you if you got into the cfp right you win one game and you're in the final right that's kind of, that's currently how it's set up but with the 12 team playoff you've got to win three mm-hmm. to get to the final good point yeah, good point. You have to win three straight postseason games. It's it's going to be it's unheard of territory for any head coach now. Like it's, but like, will the expectation for Kalen DeBoer be the same, rel like relatively that Saban had? Like, yeah. if is if he doesn't get to the final, are people are going to be are people going to be that upset at him? Definitely. Exactly. I mean, we are we are yeah. in the yeah we're in the, the SEC. world of yeah. people being upset, <laughs> even if it's good news. Yeah, they're like, oh. The Giants signed Jordan Hicks on a good deal, and he could be a starter or a reliever. Boo! I hate it. <laughs> like what? It's Who not cares? Chapman. Boo! <laughs> Boo! All right, I just him. want to run this through. All right, 2023 Alabama, 12 and two, 11 and two in 22, 13 and two in 21, 13 and zero in 20, 11 and two, 14 and one, 13 and one, 14 and one, 14 and one. I mean, you have that level of success to follow if i am kaylin DeBoer and washington is offering me 80 million dollars to stay and i'm going into a new conference when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, the real calculus is like, damn, I have massive safety here. But yeah. also the top end talent that you're probably getting at Alabama. Yeah. It, so that was my question because, like, I don't actually know. Like, what, where would you rank Kalen in that program's ability to recruit? That's a very good question. I mean, there was there were rumors about how. So let me backtrack a little bit, right? When the moment Pete Carroll stepped away, I was like, "Yeah, that's." I think that first call for the Seahawks is probably going to be Kalen DeBoer. Um, it made so much sense. He's from, it's like, it's in the area. It's right there. He doesn't even have to move. And another point 
added to that was like there's this there's a there's this rumor or like you know just uh people talking about Kalen DeBoer of how he doesn't really like to recruit. And so like all of those things like falling into place, I was like, well that then that means an NFL move is like perfect. Mm-hmm. And the, the the you got to the final, your stock is as high as ever, and the pro team that's literally in the same city as you is looking for a new head coach. It just made so much sense. But for him to go to Alabama, which is the exact opposite of that, of where you do need to recruit your butt off because you you are vying for the top-tier talent against other top-tier schools. You're yeah. not going for a top-tier guy every once in a while and, like, trying to get some people in the middle. Like, it's, it's the exact opposite of what I expected him to do. So, like, we'll see. I mean... One thing is clear, right? He wins wherever he goes as a head coach. That's the that's the clearest thing. Now you just have to hope that translates into SEC football, which I think his style of football and like his identity of like what he wants his teams to be works because he is also a very good adapter of the talent he has. Um, but man, like, like I, to to ask you a question, right? What's the win loss minimum? Minimum, like you know, realistically, with a you know, in the first year, let's say you know he is like totally rebuilding the team and a bunch of guys leave. Like, what's the minimum win loss you think that people are willing to accept for him at Alabama? Maybe nine and three. That see, that's crazy to me. Yeah, <laughs> that is crazy talk. I think eight, eight and four, you got pitchforks. It's wild. It's it's, it's so, it's, I just can't, I can't fathom that because, you know, I've only been a Cal fan all our life and we're like, our new head coach comes in. We're like, let's just not go one in 11. (laughs) That's all that matters. Let's just not go one in 11. Let's just not go 0 and 12. They're like, we're, we need to be nine and three and in the SEC championship game. (laughs) Our first year with a new head coach. I mean, I think you, I think you have to, I think. I think it's what Dabo said. It's it's like what he loved about Clemson and then what he's experienced now. The world we live in now is not the world he came into Clemson at, where like yep. everyone is just grateful and there's an immense amount of gratitude. Nope. Dude, I mean, it's crazy. Like I'm watching people say, fire Steve Kerr. I'm like, dude, what are you guys talking about? Like what other NBA coach would you want to coach your team? <laughs> like it's just – it's a – wild time to be alive in regards to expectations and i think how outrageous expectations are on sports programs whether it's college whether it's professional yep we have entered into a weird era where the demand and the expect dude the second that you guys hire a coach expectations are going to be sky high because they're going to say oh like i guarantee you i'm going to be convincing myself we're going undefeated as a chargers fan next year yeah but you're going to be like look at this roster yeah you got Eckler running back. You got, yeah. still got Herbert's dude, gonna like, be an MVP candidate. Herbert, <laughs> you got Keenan, you got threat, like more wide. Like, I don't know if Quentin Johnson's gonna be anything, but still root for my, you know, my cousin. <laughs> give me uh just give just give me Brock Bowers. Number five overall pick to the Chargers. Give me that'd Brock be, Bowers. Give him awesome. to me. That's why I think uh, side note, this is, that's why I think Ben Johnson would be the perfect hire if we're gonna go. If we know that we're going Brock Bowers yeah, at five. because of what he did with Laporta. Exactly. I'm with you. All right. So just – all right. Let's move to Cal. All right. Thank you go. all. We want feedback. <laughs> Let us know what you thought. Yeah, if you like Cal us related. talking about more national stuff, yeah, 
but well, we can talk about it. Um, but if you don't, then just let us know we won't. <laughs> we'll, just, yeah, exactly. we'll just keep it to the iMessage between Andy and myself. <laughs> exactly. No one made us do this, so uh, definitely don't yeah, hold there's back. No, yeah, there's no gun to our head on uh, January 12, 2024. I am not holding up a copy of the San Francisco Chronicle. Um, all right. Why don't you give the listeners the full transfer portal kind of, or I mean, you know, quick because we're over we're over our allotted time. We are, we are. Two minute spark notes. Yeah. So right as of right now, Cal sits uh, in the by two four seven standards. Okay, by two four seven standards, we have the twentieth best transfer portal class uh, coming in. We have the fourth best ACC uh, class coming in. Florida State leads the ACC with eight four stars and and three three stars. Then Louisville with four and nineteen. NC State with four and six, and then Cal with five and five. Um, so you could argue that we should be above NC State, but it's like it's aggregate numbers. So if you have more players, usually it accounts for more. Um, but beyond that, like we have upgraded significantly at a key number of positions. Like I'm just gonna run through the names of the guys we lost. Right, we lost five. Uh, Sai Vadrale, uh, Jeremiah Hunter, um, uh, Nuni tu- uh, Tuitele, uh, Ray-, Ray Woody III, Sam Jackson, Jeremiah Irby, Mateen Bagnani, Caleb Elarms uh, Orr, Blake Ancelados, Everett Johnson, Brayden Rome, Tyson McWilliams, and quarterback Ben Finley. We replaced those guys with um, offensive tackle and All-American from Temple, Victor, Stolf- uh, Victor Stoffel. Um, we... Also brought in Jonathan Brady, a wide receiver from New Mexico State, who was their leading wide receiver last season. Also running back from uh, Old Dominion and Kadarius Callaway, who was originally signed to an SEC school uh, coming out, if I remember correctly. Marcus Harris, a cornerback from Idaho, who was arguably one of the best cornerbacks in uh, FCS. Uh, one of the crown jewels of the class, of course, is Mikey Matthews from Utah, Um they rate him as a four-star guy um, and probably a top 50 or top 60 transfer portal target. Just he absolutely speed, speed, speed. Uh, quarterback Chandler Rogers finally comes into Cal after you know, last season all uh, <laughs> as uh, Cal's next best, best quarterback or whatever. Um, but he comes in from North Texas. Rush Reimer, who is also one of the best um, offensive linemen uh, in FCS, comes in from Montana State. He's an interior offensive lineman. Uh, Tobias Merriweather, wide receiver from Notre Dame, comes in with two years left. He's going to be fun to watch. You know, fun story with Tobias. His first and his first career NCAA touchdown was, I think, like a 65-yard bomb against Stanford. Great. So already fitting in real quick. <laughs> Love him. Yep. Uh, kicker from North Carolina, Ryan Coe. And then one of the other um, – one linebacker that everyone kind of went after was UC Davis's Teddy Buchanan. Um, he's a local kid, so you know, just wants to play at Cal. And then, of course, one more from Notre Dame and Aiden uh, Kia Naina, a defensive lineman uh, from Notre Dame. So that leads us with a top 20 and a top four ACC class. That was an awesome rundown. All right. I'm not going to say anything because I know the questions are going to go into this. Yeah. Questions. Um, let's go. Let's go with this. Let's go with from Hood Bear first. All right. So with this uh, breakdown of the transfer class thus far, I think I kind of did that. I think, um, look, from what I from what I've seen, 
I think the biggest changes and upgrades have been at wide receiver. This is why I always say like you, you need to wait until the end of the transfer portal because everyone was talking about how we lost Jeremiah. And yes, Jeremiah is a massive loss, but adding Tobias Merriweather and Mikey Matthews is insane. Like to get two of the top like 60, you know, offensive skill players from the transfer portal to come in to play for this offense right away is absolutely insane. And then of course the offensive line, I think Victor Stoffel, Rush Reimer, um, huge, huge additions. And it'll be interesting to how they kind of mess with the, the offensive line because we are starting, we're going to lose some guys. You know, we lost Romy, we lost, um, we lost Everett, but in, yeah, so we'll see how the offensive line shakes out, but I do feel like they'll probably go for a couple more offensive linemen as the, the transfer portal progresses. Um, and then, yeah, every every single skill position, like we can have a three deep, and it's like it's insane. Like even at running back, it's like adding mm-hmm. Kadarius Callaway to that mix. We're getting um, what's his what's his name? Oh, geez, uh, Byron Cardwell back. Yeah, Cardwell. Yeah. Um, and J J W uh, Justin Williams Thomas is healthy and played for the rest of the season, and then of course you know Jet looked good in all of his little motion um, minutes and plays that he saw. Thank God he's healthy um, to go, and so and then we're also bringing in a freshman running back too. So that we're stacking skill position players. I think that's where you're going to see the most improvement, and most of these guys are going to be here in the spring. So we'll see in a couple months um, what they look like. With, Only uh, thing I would want to see more of is defensive line. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And there was one guy I think they were going heavily after, which was Isaiah Hastings out of um, out of Alabama. Um, would have had three years to play. Ultimately, chose to play for Missouri. So can't blame him. Missouri's an up and coming SEC team, and they recruit the hell out of the portal in, in high school. So, but that if he had brought in Hastings, I think that would have kind of transformed um, the mm-hmm. front seven. But yeah. Uh, breakout player prediction. I, I'm assuming he's coming. He's asking us like about the portal. It's probably Mikey Matthews or Tobias Merriweather. It's it's probably one. Um, Who is the one that Jaden recruited? Uh, that is Jonathan Brady. That was pretty. I love that interaction. Yeah, <laughs> where he's like, "Come to Cal." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. I think there's some ties here. I think uh, I think he knows Jonathan Brady. Um. They were played at Bishop uh, Gorman together. Yeah, and then also there's another tie with Mikey Matthews, who's uh, high school teammates with Maven Anderson. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah, there there are some like high school other you know ties that we have that helped in the recruiting process. Um, I think uh, the the one that the one that we haven't found out yet that we know of is Brock Purdy's younger brother, Chuba or Chuba Purdy, is. Uh, I think has visited or is visiting. No, he's visited. He's visited. Okay, yeah. so he has visited. So we're just waiting on whether he wants to come. And here he has or not. he has an offer out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why he visited because we gave him the offer. But it's like, will he come here? Um, it would be very, very interesting to see. Would love it <laughs> for the vibes. <laughs> just for the vibes. It's dude. I mean, everyone's gonna be like, all right, if if. Nando or Rogers or whoever's quarterback is having any trouble. It's going to be like, <laughs> yo, what is pretty luck? <laughs> oh yeah. It's yeah. I, but I know, I think, I think he also has a visit to San Jose state. That might be the move for him. What? Yeah. Just, I mean, just cause if he wants to play and he wants to start, 
but he's also going to be next to his brother. You know, like everything is the same with here with us and against San, San Jose State in terms of like his family being able to come out and see him and his brother, you know, the same weekends and all of that stuff. But if he gets an opportunity to start there versus here where he probably won't have the opportunity to start, that's where it becomes like. Okay, fair point. The toss. All right. You um, have two minutes. Yeah. To get through the rest of the questions. All right. We got a. Uh, Okay, this is kind of a this is kind of a two tiered from Hood Bear and from Tyler. Hood Bear says, "Is next year make or break for JW?" Tyler asks, "Will the light of Oski Jesus lead Cal to a sneaky ten win season?" So that's what kind of tied it together. Um, what do you think? Is this is next year make or break year? Of course not. <laughs> of course not. Absolutely not. There's, I mean, I it's it's clear as day to me if you look at the. Look, I mean, what's the best? What's our best case scenario? We get a coach. Let's combine these in, in this best case scenario. All right. So we, I mean, not best case scenario. We unfortunately have to say goodbye to Justin Wilcox. Okay, see you later. Bring in somebody and they go 10 and 2. What do you think happens? <laughs> like We've seen it this offseason. They go to another program. A thousand percent. Justin Wilcox has at least turned down other programs. And I would hope that... If when he like, we're at the point where we're building our success through bowls, and that's what I've you and I have been asking for for a long time. Yep. And if we can just continue, like I honestly think the success of this off season comes from the fact like that making that bowl game and having that close the season, it's much easier to sell this program. It's way easier to sell this program. Yep. There's vision for it. So I think no, I don't think Justin Wilcox is in any risk because. The, the odds of us getting a coach that then hits on, you know, and has to be an up and coming coach from a lower tier program, then they have to hit. And if they hit, they're gone. Right. Yep. They're gone. Yep. Caitlin DeBoer just left Washington with an $80 million offer on the table. And he came from the Dakotas. Like, dude, well, I would have well, thought. Granted, like, Bama offered him more money. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. But like, I just think it's crazy. Cause like you think that like, like Lanning talks a lot about Oregon, like they're the ones that gave me my shot. They gave you know they gave me this opportunity. Like Galen, same thing. And like I don't know. So loyalty means a lot to me right now. I, I don't think there's any pressure financially. We're not in any position to do it. The ACC, we didn't even talk about it with Florida State. Like they're mad as hell. I mean, there's just so much still to come. Yep. With that's uncertain. Yep. With everything that's facing Cal, like Justin Wilcox is <laughs> probably really low on their list. <laughs> yeah, the athletic then, did, yeah. the athletic did put out an article today about like or was it two four seven about um, coaching possibilities for replacing Kalen DeBoer, <laughs> and someone put Justin Wilcox on that top ten list. So <laughs> I was thinking about it, but like I was like, I yeah, Jed, Jed Fish, for Jed sure. Fish, yeah, Jed Fish is probably one. Uh, hiring Ryan Grubb is probably another. Or just yeah. promoting Ryan Grubb. But anyways, um, the last question comes from N on Twitter. Do you expect any defensive coaches to be replaced? Should we expect the offensive and or defense to improve? First part of that question, I'll answer for you off the bat. No changes because it's too late in the cycle. Yeah, I was pretty surprised. Yeah, pretty yeah. surprised. But as of right now, yeah, you can't. It's too late. Um, I don't, Well, I don't want to say it's too late if someone gets poached away. But if they haven't been fired or like relieved of their duties by now, you're not. You're not. Um, what about the second part of the question, Andy? You answer that. Should we expect the offense and or defense to improve? 
Um, it is from a skill, like from a talent level, I think it's okay to have higher expectations going mm-hmm. into next year. Yep. I am also of the mindset that the ACC is going to be, I mean, we just, like, I watched SC beat Louisville. I watched Washington go into the championship. I watched Oregon demolish Liberty. I I just watched all these games and was like, all right. So, like, that was, I mean, SC was bad. <laughs> they, like, whooped, whooped Louisville in that game. So, it's like, I think that this is going to be a very friendly schedule for us. I think it's okay to have high expectations. I think that the offensive side of the ball, I would expect um, just, I, I honestly think we're going to run even better than we did before. Yep. I hope that we start to utilize like the tight ends as much, if not more than, than as we did last season. And then I'm most curious about what the downfield passing game is going to look like. Like the, the big question will be, we had Spav. We seemingly had fixed a lot of our frustration on the offensive side of the ball. Yep. What is the the offense now going to look like? What did What did Wilcox want to see out of his offense that he wasn't seeing under Spav? That's my fundamental question because I don't think the bowl game was. We saw it scripted because the first two possessions we really got a good feel for. Okay, what can yeah. Blesh do? And in, in regards, because like that's those are all scripted. But the adjustments, like bowl game being what it is, I think that DeRoyter kind of whooped him on the adjustments in the second half. So I'm excited. I'm kind of curious to see there. Defensively, I don't know, man. Like I, oh man, it's tough watching TDR and the Texas Tech defense and having to. I just was like, man, I miss when we played like this. <laughs> Uh, so yeah. I don't know. I we did look we did look better as as that bowl game progressed, like defensively, like just yeah. the play calling was a little bit more. And you know, this is a football term, but like it just looked more exotic. Um, we were doing a lot more things to get pressure on the quarterback. Um, but it's like, why didn't we do all this in the season games where it really mattered more? With you. Why don't we do it in the SE game? No. no one knows. Yeah, no one knows. All right. That's it. That's a wrap. We did it. We did it. Twice as long as we said. <laughs> as always. <laughs> as always. All right. Well, if you're listening to us, then you already found us. So you don't really know. You don't really need me to tell you where to find us. But you can find us on all podcast listening platforms. You can find us on Twitter at Golden Bearcast. You can email us goldenbearcast.gmail.com. You can find all the written stuff over at rightforcalifornia.com where basketball season is in full full swing with an absolute barn burner of an awesome game the other night against Colorado which I was at dinner so I didn't get to see but I came back and rewatched the game and was screaming at the iPad as I watched at like 12 at night um, Jalen Tyson is just um, oh my goodness he's just a joy to watch if you haven't been out to Haas please come out to Haas um, they play, I think, Oregon tomorrow night at Oregon, but they host the Washington Spurs next week. So come on by for that. And I think that's it, Andy. Am I missing anything? No. No, we're good. All right. And as always, go Bears. Go Bears. Go Bears.